If you're an athlete, you know the greatest motivator of all is the fear of letting your teammates down. After all, a team is only as good as its weakest link. So you owe it to those wearing the same jersey as you to be your best every time you step on the field. That's why there's no vape in team. When you vape, you can expose your lungs to toxic chemicals that can damage your lungs. If you're a step behind, the team's a step behind. Brought to you by The Real Cost and the FDA. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. In breaking news, leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive, as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you. Defining Duke, an Xbox podcast is brought to you by, well, you. If you want to learn how to support the show, go to patreon.com slash Media. Salutations, everybody. It is Maddie here today, and welcome to Defining Duke, an Xbox podcast. This is another, if you will, holiday special. And because of that, I don't know the number of this episode, <laughs> so I apologize. But nonetheless, we have a great episode planned for you today. We hope you're doing fantastic. As always, I'm joined by Chris Kringle himself, Lord <laughs> Cognito. How are you doing, sir? And the uh, as the time of recording is, it's December 8th, but uh, it's the holiday season by the time this is all coming around. Yeah. So how are you doing? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. I'm doing better than I thought I'd be doing. <laughs> yeah, we're going through it right now. <laughs> Burning the midnight oil. Yeah. Yeah. Grand yeah. time. Grand time. But this is it's gonna be cool listening back, you know, knowing people listening to us, you know, during the holidays and stuff like that. And uh yeah, this is a good subject. This is a good subject. I like this topic and I'm excited to get going on uh, you know, Xboxes and critical looks at yes. things. Yes. So what we wanted to do is this has been a really big year for Xbox as we kind of expected to be. And there was a lot of ups and downs where there were moments, you know, we had different ratings for like what this year would turn out to be. And sometimes it was looking spooky. Sometimes it was looking really good. So I wanted to do here is kind of do, if you will, a highlight reel of the major moves Xbox did this year, the major releases they did this year. Look at them honestly, objectively, and then look at 2024 and beyond and what they can improve on, what they can account for, and what's going to be, I think, the biggest year for them in a long while, because now you have Bethesda in the fold, you have Activision in the fold, no real distractions of FTC arguments. So what we're talking about is developer direct, that format being established. We're talking about 
Game Pass's release cadence, which switched from more quantity drop to quality focused drops. Uh, we're talking about Redfall and its release quality. We're going to get into the Xbox Summer Showcase format and how they adjusted it from 2022 into 2023, kind of shorten or expanding that window rather of what could be included in the announcement window um, and how that could be for better or for worse. Uh, we're going to talk about the massive Xbox FTC leaks that occurred and how that kind of changes the outlook uh, for Xbox moving forward with Bethesda's schedule being out in the wild. And of course, with um, with the, the consoles potentially being out oh, in yeah. the wild, too. Uh, Starfield's release is something we're going to talk about. This is the biggest one of the year for Xbox and the biggest one of the generation, no doubt. Uh, we're going to talk about Xbox finally, at the end of it all, acquiring Activision Blizzard King and what this means moving forward. And then we'll get into 2024 and beyond, talking about the likes of Hellblade 2, Avowed, Microsoft Flight Simulator, uh, Stalker 2, Clockwork Revolution, Fable, Outer Worlds 2, Blade, OD, State of Decay 3, 33 Immortals, Towerborn, and South of Midnight. Quite the lineup there. So we're just going to take this honest look at 2023, see what lessons can be gleaned from it and how Xbox can move into 2024 a little bit better or what they could just maintain because they did it right the first time around. So, Cog, I want to start off with the top of the year where we got a developer direct. This was something we'd been asking Xbox to do for a while in the sense of like, give us your own kind of showcase format. You had the Nintendo Direct, you had the the PlayStation uh, State of Play, and it looked like those had their own kind of uh, reasons for existing within those respective communities. The directs from Nintendo, very adjustable, same with state of play. Xbox need an answer. And we got two this year in Starfields, but also really I want to focus on the one at the top of the year, which included a shadow drop from a first party studio, Tango Gameworks and Hi-Fi Rush. Um, This is a format I am a strong believer in. You know, I I feel like uh, this could be adjusted for one game as it was with Starfield and had one of the best showings of a game, whether you talk about the quality of the game or not. I'm not even getting into that yet. Just Starfield as a showing of like what this product is. Mm. um, I thought was one of the most open, honest, transparent looks at a game we've had. And it's certainly extensive. Like you knew what you were getting by the time it was all done. The only thing they didn't really show were the powers that you would get. They just teased those. Um, So I like this format. I love how it had the developers speaking for themselves. I like how it... Uh, still had this, you know, it was a little scissorly at times where I thought it could slow down and just show more expansive looks at the game. Um, but it's kind of become this thing where at least at the time of recording this again, it's December 8th. Mm-hmm. Um, like, I hope that this is kind of, this becomes like a top of the year thing because it felt like as a community, we immediately got this sense of direction of where we were headed. What were the major beats I had to plan around if I'm in the Xbox ecosystem? So I was really happy with the format that was established here. I don't actually see a ton of room for improvement off the bat here. Like the, the, they've knocked it out of the park, these these first two. So I'm curious what you think of the developer direct. Are you looking forward to a potential one at the top of 2024? Are there any adjustments to the format you would make? No, I thought, I thought this was good because uh, there was a lot of questions at the start of the year about, you know, once we heard that it was coming, like, how would they approach it? And let's be honest, the stigma prior to that, and I know some people ain't gonna like it because I wasn't a fan of it, was uh, kind of like the inside of Xbox and are they going to make this more of a non-gamer, you know, more of a marketing show than actually mm-hmm. showing and focusing on developers. And you 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 nailed it. Like, it was so refreshing. So to me, the thing that I like was literally hearing from developers, you know, microphone and face, obviously, you know, what was going on with Minecraft. And we got the magic that was, you know, Hi-Fi Rush. Forza was stuck, stuck in there. You know, Hi-Fi Rush was huge, obviously. You know, a stealth drop, 
magical energy. The game looked played well. But what I actually actually like, I want to give them credit is actually the production value. Because one thing I kind of know about Xbox is even though we say, yo, bro, do what Nintendo does, right? Mm-hmm. They have a way of saying that we got to get, we have to have our own thing a little bit. Yeah. And I did like the production value of, you know, kind of seeing the physical location of the studio and being in the building. It, it felt, it personalized it for me as a person who loves the interview developers. I like that. I was like, okay, cool. We're at, we're on, on site with, you know, whatever, whatever. So I thought that was cool. I think they need to stick with this format. I thought it was concise. And then it also set things up for what I see eventually, which is like, okay, guys, I know you guys were looking for Starfield here. Mm-hmm. It's coming, but we're going to have this own thing. We'll talk to you later. And like you said, set the direction, set the tone at the top of the year. And yeah, if, if cadence wise, it works for them, you know, at the top of the year, great. Continue to do it at that, uh, in that time frame. But yeah, I really like to develop a direct a lot. Completely agree. Yeah. And, mm-hmm. and, and moving forward, I, I hope it's a, like an established beat where we just, you know, especially with how much is going on in Xbox's pipeline. Um, I feel like it's, it's a needed sort of guidance for what's going to happen in major beats throughout the ecosystem. Um, do you think with Game Pass growing as it is and developing its own community, if you will, do you think that they should start doing, would it be too much? I'm just throwing an idea out here, like a monthly Game Pass Direct or something like that. Like, here's what's coming to the service and kind of making a little five minute show hmm. out of it. So I've always found that interesting that the, the drops to the service come in the form of like social media jpegs like they're not they're not trailers like you know here's the next one here's the next one right like creating a little hype around it Mm -hmm. i've always found their approach interesting it's like yep here's the next drop and like the community creates the excitement around it Mm -hmm. and maybe that's the the goal of it all right um let them do the viral marketing if you will Mm -hmm. um so yeah i'm wondering do you think that they're going to evolve the format further and maybe bring game pass into the loop um I probably say no. I I would say only because of the volatility of a Game Pass deal. I I do think that there's a lot of moving parts. And I think sometimes things come together last minute. So not that they're not going to have the cadence and the volume of actually being able to put stuff in the service. It's it's key. But let's just say you have one of those months where it's like, you know, two or three games versus another month where it's, you know, it's just a plethora of titles. So. I think they look at it like, let's save money here. (laughs) Let them do the marketing. But I will say they could do a better job with the promotion of Game Pass outside of their own individual events. Like when we watch the showcase, right? You know, you you see Game Pass, the trailer, the scissor, all that. But it's really limited to their ecosystem. Like, you don't like, obviously the game awards, obviously as it was recording, we watch this after we did see some stuff there, but I, I still think the common issue is that a lot of the common folk still does not know really what game pass is and, and it exists and what you truly get out of it. And I think they have to figure out a better way to get that message out there as opposed to mm-hmm. only seeing it in a direct, only seeing it in these very specific locations visually yeah i agree with how like every year they make like a good luck have fun kind of trailer of all of these different games within game pass that you can have and um i just think more national marketing would get them to the next level with that service it seems very clear and, and one of the moves that they made 
earlier this year is when they were adjusting the leadership structure, you know, Matt Booty looking over both Bethesda and Xbox as they brought a lot of the Microsoft marketing team in the fold with the Xbox team. And so maybe next year we'll see a more concerted marketing effort from Xbox to get this on a even bigger mainstream level. Like gamers know about Game Pass, but I feel like this is this is the service that you can bring to, I have to say, like the casual and be like, yo, it's like, no, nah, I don't got money or time for that. It's like, but it's 15 a month. And that's like, that's the easiest selling. But wait, so you're saying like Starfield, Hellblade 2, like all these new games coming out. I don't got to pay 70. Like it's, that's what the service was built for, right? To just, to, to rope those people in who are on the fence or don't want to spend the money or what have you, or are committed to one part of the ecosystem to get them in and be like, wait, this is just great value. And so I feel like they're not weaponizing okay. that enough where like it's not solidifying their competitiveness like this is the thing you should be using to beat your competition over the head with because you are the only one with it so i'm with you that yeah i think a little more a lot of more national (laughs) marketing for game pass would go a long way like on television you know during sports games sports games man like especially bro why isn't there heavy mlb marketing you got the show. You got Good the point. show in Game Pass, and you've done it like three years in a row now. Where it's like this is an expectation you're creating. Like I would not be surprised if top of the year here's another MLB show game in Game Pass. And if that's the case, dude, like you got to start marketing that. You got to start pushing like, hey, MLB fans, this game you buy every mm-hmm. year, it's best here because you don't got to pay extra for it. You can expect it. So. Uh, yeah, I, I am totally in agreement with you that the bro. Game Pass, I think, needs a little, a lot more marketing. Yeah. Bro, you're on fire. Like, literally is what I've been screaming when you're saying all these things. It's what I'm saying to myself in my head. Like, Game Pass marketing should be, like, synonymous and almost borderline annoying, like, the State Farm yeah. guy. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Like, there should be a, a face or some type of specific marketing thing cue that you go oh here come the damn game because you know it's coming mm-hmm. and, and it, it's like you said almost a casual hey jim you didn't know like why are mm-hmm. you buying that bro i got game pass like it should be that type of a natural thing and they need to attach themselves if they don't want to spend the money with an actor or whatever they need to to get involved with that national market you're completely right with the casual that that's a fantastic point well speaking of game pass we can move on to one of our other subjects here and that the release cadence really switched this year, Cog. Like for a while, Game Pass was just coming in with a barrel of titles and just dumping like 14 at once. And it was great, like especially as they were doing the build up of content. Like I remember we literally got Hitman's entire trilogy and then we got oh, yeah. the Mass Effect Legendary trilogy like a week later. And I remember I was saying like, this is amazing, but these are two incredible games who or sets of games who has time with all the other releases. And it felt like there was this collective realization at the same time that maybe it's time to slow things down, focus more on day one. And we're still getting good delay drops. Like for example, one of my favorite drops in the game Pass is dead space remake. That didn't come until like November. Right. And so if you're patient, you're going to get that. But also there was really good quality day one drops. I felt like your woe long, for example. And while I wasn't a fan of it at all, a lot of people really liked Atomic Heart, which is one of the biggest games of the year. It had like 5 million plus players. It sold really well um, and so on and so on. So I thought the release 
cadence and quality for Game Pass was an upgrade. I know it's not going to be 100% clear across the board, but they I think are still having a tough time finding a good multiplayer game that is a clear fit for Game Pass from third party that isn't just a complete disaster at launch. I remember Back for Blood, it's like, oh yeah, this is this is it. Like this is going to be a perfect game for Game Pass and it was like not good at all, right? And then we have Payday 3. I'm thinking, perfect fit. Like, how could you go wrong with this? Like, I totally get why they'd make this deal. And everyone's back to playing Payday 2 already. So I find it to be that that's like the weak spot is like they're still trying to find like that multiplayer experience on a third party level. That's like a natural partnership that they bring into the service day one. And it's not this messy game. But I mean, man, they had they had lies of P. Yeah, they had lies of P. So yeah. I thought it was a strong year in the terms of quality for Game Pass, especially in the day one category. What about mm-hmm. you? Did you like this shift that Xbox made where it seemed like they were spending a lot of the budget more on on the day one stuff instead of just dumping into a catalog? Yeah, because I felt like 2022, I don't want to say they regressed, but I felt this year the focus felt like the shift was to quality and less quantity. So I I was actually really impressed with some of the chances they took on a lot of games, you know, seeing like Sea of Stars in there. And I know, you know, Maddie didn't like my Trek to Young, but I love Trek. <laughs> you know, saying? Like, they, there were certain games, though, this year, though, that I really felt like, wow, this is cool to see this, you know, in the service, Cocoon, um, the big games, Liza P. I'll give you they they took a couple of chances on like, you know, Exo Primal and, you know, a couple other games that from a multiplayer perspective that I, I think, you know, necessarily weren't, you know, massive. But I thought there were a lot of good still like co-op games in there as mm-hmm. well. But, yeah, I, I thought that, listen, I, for the most part, Game Pass has been fantastic this year. I thought they really had a strong lineup of titles. I wouldn't change too much. I I just think that. It's going to be hard sometimes to, as your first party now grows, the reliance on the day and date major third party Game Pass banger may go down a little bit because mm-hmm. now it's like your first party is now about to turn up. We don't need to. So now you could be a little bit more selective and really focus on, you know, continue to focus on quality, you know, kind of thing. So that that's where I'm at with it. I thought they did a good job. I, I felt this was better than last year's lineup overall. They may not have had a, the maybe like a super major smash, you know, like the year they had Outriders and, you know, whatever, whatever. But I felt like, yo, cons- I, I know what it is. My, they were, it was like a consistent range yeah, of titles. There was no like, before I remember Game Pass, there'd be some gaps, you know, when you'd be like, yeah, okay, when's the next big thing coming? These are kind of a little smaller, or these are like an older collage of older titles, you know, that kind of thing. But to get things new day and day, and, and that consistency with a variety of different genres, JRPG, indie, yada, 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 big game, Souls game, whoa, long, this one, lines, I thought they did good, man. I thought they did a fantastic job. Yeah, I agree. And I hope in the 2024, they keep it at this pace. And I think you're totally right that as first party goes up, third party will go down because you don't need to warrant the spending at this point. But yeah, they they did a good job filling in the gaps. They had a couple of moments where like delays, if you would, I put in quotes, like kind of screw them where like Liza P was delayed into August. And then they also had Sea of Stars day one on Game Pass. So it was like that, that and then Starfield. Like that was an insane one, two, three. Yeah, that was all in the stretch of a couple of weeks. Um, We're just 
you know, it was tough to play all of those at once mm-hmm. and, and most probably didn't. So um, I wonder if they might be a little bit more reserved in that department or if they see big spikes uh, where like it, it's actually worth going that hard. Um, so we'll see. We'll see how it all goes. Moving down the line here, Redfall comes out and uh, we've t- we've dedicated a number of episodes to Redfall, but uh, this is another big part of 2023 that we have to account for looking ahead because uh, this was a, a, a release that was so disastrous that it not only demanded that Phil Spencer go on a podcast to explain himself and what happened with the game and where it was overlooked, uh, but it definitely led to a complete leadership overhaul. Sarah Bond, now president of Xbox, uh, Matt Booty now overseeing the content for both Xbox Game Studios and Bethesda, where they overhauled the marketing side of things. Um, and hopefully this leads to less oversights moving forward. But we knew through leaked FTC emails that Phil was hoping that Redfall would be one of the big games of the year. And I mean, it was a big game in the terms of conversation, but not for the reasons they would want. So Redfall's quality uh, speaks for itself, uh, even after the patches, I believe. Um, And this is something that can just never happen again. Um, I'm not saying every single Xbox game has to be this 10 out of 10 banger. I don't expect that, especially with how experimental first party is being right now, where you're getting your big triple A's, but you're also getting these more like double A style titles, if you will. Um, but they cannot let something like Redfall happen again because it, it it eroded a ton of trust in like immediately, like the quality of Starfield was being questioned. Immediately it was like, oh, and you're in the process of getting Activision Blizzard King. Like, what are you going to do to them? You've had Bethesda for how many years and you didn't know this was cooking underneath your your own house, underneath your own roof? So um, my question for you, Cog, is twofold. It's number one, um, how does Xbox respond to this moving forward? Have they already course corrected? And um, also, is, is this to you maybe just a one-off? Good question. Um, this was what I considered their watershed moment. This was the moment of complete embarrassment that uh, that's something that could happen like this like you said you know phil has to be called in you know so to speak in to kind of talk about it, even though his initial reasoning i think from going on uh, uh kind of funny and those guys wasn't that but he addressed it so look this to me was one of those moments that when we look back it was a black eye on the actual uh, platform but necessary for processes to improve and they could not continue to operate when you acquire companies in the fashion that they were. Because right. to me, it did set off a chain of events of like we talked about leadership structure, Matt Booty now in charge of all of Xbox Game Studios, you know, and uh, ZeniMax and, and so on and so forth. So that to me, for for a game to be uh, come out that you either internally your testing is your, your internal reviews are higher than what it end, ends up coming out. Right. That was, that was the big surprise. We were like, like, didn't you guys see, what did you guys feel? Right. We, we heard the conflicting information. So that was interesting Two, I think it was a, a watershed moment for Bethesda in the sense that you now you are part of Xbox game studios. Right. So now you see 
if something happens with you, what comes with that? Because it not only just affects you, it affects the mothership, right? That's what we also learn. And it put everything else at, in question. So I personally, as rough as that stretch was for them, in my mind, I'm like, this is a good thing that it happened now so that you can course correct process. And like Phil said, well, we should have been in there earlier. We should have did. You've got to because you can't be so hands off. Remember, it was the hands off approach. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Versus, okay, we need to task mask, micromanage, whatever. whatever. They clearly don't want to do that. And the studios they have don't want that in order to be acquired. But clearly you can't be this absent parent. And not give something the love and attention it deserves. And that was the lesson learned. So part of me thinks it's a blessing in disguise, but one of their darkest moments where people were questioning, why should you own anything if you mishandled something like this? It almost took me back to Halo Infinite. You know what I'm saying? It was like in the beginning, you know, on certain levels, not that Halo Infinite was a, not a lack of quality game because it wasn't at launch. Mm-hmm. But we all know, you know, the issues with, with uh, the, you know, the live service com- component. Yeah. But yeah, I, I think it was a necessary evil that had to happen. And I think I, I think the message was was felt. So we'll see. I, I think yeah. I think they'll, they'll be fine to learn from it. Yeah, perfectly put. And I hope they've learned from it because um, we can't keep having this, you know, ever turning cycle of like oh you worked over this studio hopefully they, you get them next game like give them the blank check like you know what i'm talking about where like we, we were saying like harvey smith deserves that treatment just like todd howard got that treatment you know that Fresh. benefit of time and effort i do think as like i get away from redfall more and more it was this lose-lose situation for microsoft and xbox in that you know it's a game that probably should have been canceled like to tell the truth and i know some may disagree with that but i'm not saying it just because i like it it's just there wasn't much there and to get it to where it needs to be you would have had to spend an extreme amount of money on it where it probably should have been canceled but if you're xbox you can't come in and cancel the next new ip of one of your marquee studios that on paper to many sound like a co-op open world vampire game with arcane level design look we even when I was at my most skeptical ahead of the, the the release with the trailers and stuff, I was still like, it's arcane, man. And I remember my aging like milk statement was, uh, I think Colin asked us, like, what do you think Redfall is going to get? I was like, probably like an eight. Pfft. Oh, my God. So Ooh. off. So there was that trusted yeah. quality that was clearly uh, missing there. Um, and so, yeah, with. With Arcade, I hope they get their chance to really clap back, not only with Blade, but uh, I know that's Leon, but I hope with like the Austin team, they get their chance to really shine. Um, but yeah, I, I just hope that the lesson is fully registered that that level of oversight cannot, can, or, or lack of oversight can't happen again. Because I get Absolutely. it. Like if you cancel the game, it's going to look bad. And if yeah. you let it go, we saw what happened. So they were going to lose big time no matter what. I Fact. think they maybe internally anticipated this game would not have been this poorly received i think maybe they were hoping for like low 70s which still i think would have had some sort of conversation on like hey xbox like you know aren't you supposed to be getting the the big exclusives out that kind of like put your platform on another level not like the Mm. mediocre ones um so i think a conversation would have happened regardless and and in that sense you're right like when it feels inevitable cog it's like yeah, like I'm kind of happy it happened. I feel like they should have known in the first place. Like the thing that bothered yeah. me the most at the launch was when Xbox is like reportedly caught off guard by how the connection was there. Like, but does the game bad? Therefore, oh, we're bad. I'm like, how do you 
you make such a big to do about acquiring them. You hoard all of their content. You make it exclusive. You make it yours. What do you think is going to happen? So hopefully now message received that anything exclusive from the consumer point of view feels like you have looked at this and found enough value in it that you wanted to make sure you could only get it in one place. And that should raise the quality bar because it's what gets people to buy your system or buy your service. So yeah, like I've said multiple times, hopefully lesson learned on Redfall. Yes. Well said. Next up is the summer showcase. This one, I guess will be pretty brief for us, but uh, the format in 2022, as you elegantly put it, really stripped some of the magic away. It was everything you're seeing here is coming out in the next 12 months. And, and what we're learning as time goes on is Microsoft is a very reactive company. Yes. Especially the Xbox component. Yes. Very reactive. Oh, you don't like this? We're going to do this next time. So the big thing was like, man, Xbox, you're announcing games and they're so far away. We want to know what's coming now. So they do that. It's like, no, now the magic's gone. Like we, we want a mixture of both. Like we want now and then. And I feel like 2023 showcase, I still give it an A plus. I still thought this from top to bottom was their best. And I had a blast like from day one game pass to addressing the needs of the platform with like major JRPG focus to exclusives now and in the future, a massive Starfield direct like as an Xbox fan for the first time in a while, I felt, hey, I I have a lot going on here. I have a lot to keep me busy, a lot to look forward to. The content's flowing. And not only that, but I felt heard. I felt, again, with the JRPG side of things, that's something that we've been going hard on. I did mention at that point, this is before all of the Square Enix stuff had gone down, that like the needle hadn't moved entirely for me because it felt like Sega and Atlas were the alternative selection to Xbox Mm -hmm. since they couldn't get Square. But now with like, for example, Visions of Mana making its way to Xbox, Mm -hmm. it feels like, okay, Square Enix and Xbox are getting on along and this is pretty good stuff for them where um, JRPGs are going to flow onto the platform. I felt like this was the kind of the wall, the damn wall bursting and the water flowing through like, oh, there's Persona 3 Reload. There's Persona 5 Tactica. There's Metaphor Refantasio. But then there's also Fable. Uh, There's also Starfield. There's also just... So many games, Avowed, mm-hmm. Hellblade 2. Hellblade it just, yeah, it, it felt like a blast of everything we'd kind of been waiting for. And while some showings may have been underwhelming, like I know some had problems with how Avowed was graphically, which I get, or how Hellblade 2 had at the time no gameplay, like no actual combat gameplay. Um, I get all of that for sure. Um, but I felt like this was one of their best. And I hope the format next year is much of the same where you can have those moments of wonder, the wow, while also showing what's coming soon. Like, you know, knowing that Starfield was such an anticipated game and getting 40 minutes of that. And then also knowing after that, like that there was a whole entire showcase. I mean, that's that was that was an incredible stretch. It really was where I remember by the end of Starfield's direct, I was feeling kind of overwhelmed. Um, yeah, yeah, that was that was that was pretty heavy with yeah. all that was happening. So, um, Cog, what did you make as the person who really, I think, opened my eyes to what was wrong with the 2022 showcase? What did you think of the format this year? Do you think this should be what they do carrying forward? Yeah, message received. Message received. I, I was in that crowd. I was physically there, you know, and um, they really got the idea of, OK, we need to have a concise show. Bang, 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 bang. Less filler, 
Yeah, you know, Sarah Bell might come out for one segment. Yeah, Phil may come out at the end for a recap. But I think it was the 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 promise, the fulfillment of the promise, which was, you know, I call it the draft class of 2018. And, you know, for years, people were like, what are they doing? What is, you know, what is Compulsion doing? You know, okay, finally, here's South of Midnight. Okay, you know, what... What is Fable? Right, we talked about it, but we haven't seen it. And I thought they showed fantastically, you know, a graphic, the graphical fidelity of that, the the high production value was off the roof. And Starfield, that was the that was the MVP because coming into the pressure was we don't know what this game is, right? And I have to be honest, you know, it to this day that direct is the best showing of a video game I have ever seen where you leave no doubt what this game is, right? And you saw the passion from the developers. I, I really thought they knocked it out of part. They had a good mix of of indie big times. I remember when 33 Immortals showed out, I believe, on that stage. You know, it was really good. I mean, I'm not going to go through every single game, but at the end of the day, they really showed out when they needed to. And I, I feel like the, the summer... The whole showcase f- really started this momentum push for them for the rest of the year, I felt. I felt, you know, coming off of Redfall, coming off the CMA block, right? Mm-hmm. The morale of the platform and people who are fans of the platform was down. Thus, you know, shout out to my brother King, you know, event, you know, hold the line was great. People, he, people were like, yo, the hardcore was like, we're not giving up on you, but you got to show out. And I think that showcase really reinvigorated the base and people go, yo, they're here. They've got some fantastic stuff. We could see it. And yo, let the, let the, let, let the, let the good times roll now. Now it seems like it's on and popping with really fun, exciting titles. Yeah, absolutely. So it's hopefully they just continue that on that, that, that showcase. I thought was spectacular. Um, and, and of course the extended directs, I, I think are good at that. As someone who's been a long time BGS fan, there's just so many people in that team that I, I don't know. And yeah. so I thought it was good that it was very little Todd Howard. I thought it was yeah. very, very yeah. good. I think it was to his benefit, my I add, because, yeah. uh, I think 76 may have been this eye opening moment, like where it's like, oh shit, like people are just staple in my face all naturally of course he's the spokesperson for it but like taking all my quotes everything like he was the subject of all the abuse and look like 76 was awful so i'm not saying it's undeserved but i'm sure there was that adjustment of hey let's spread the wealth like yeah let's all say a little something let's focus on the team here so <laughs> i thought it was good though I, and i hope that moving into uh more developer directs that get like that single singular game spotlight that it continues to show the entire team yes i agree all right after this we had the massive Xbox FTC leaks. This is where uh, we got a number of things. Uh, we learned about the next console, the the kind of future platform, if you will. We learned about the digital Series X. We learned about this new controller that they seem to be making that is very much focused on cloud gaming. Uh, we learned about a roadmap, including the likes of like an Oblivion remake, remaster, Fallout 3 remaster. We learned about... Apparently Dishonored 3, which I don't know if that's <laughs> happening anymore, Cog. Um, yeah, we, we learned about uh, just so many other games in the lineup there. Um, there's there's much to look forward to for Xbox, but maybe wasn't all announced on their timeline. So 
Uh, we covered it pretty extensively, but what did you make of the FTC leaks now that we've had a couple of weeks to think about it? And uh, how does this change their plans moving forward? How does this change how uh, you absorb information from the platform moving forward, like knowing like, hey, digital is going to be a really big focus here? Mm-hmm. Yeah, we, we learn I, 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 to their dismay. I loved it because I, I got to learn the thought process. And the first thing, you know, for me that I gained out of it was, OK, the console future is still a part of this platform, right? And and we learned about the uh, revision, the Series X revision, revision, Series S eventually, and then obviously the hybrid potential console after this generation. So those are the first major things, the controller, of course. But to me, I thought what was very interesting is we learned how they evaluate companies from a mergers and acquisition standpoint and the, 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 the things that they valued. I realized how important mobile was for their long-term future and, and how they you know, will continue to expand and look at companies as far as, I mean, even, you know, our rapid budget is on that list as far as things that they were looking at one point, you know, prior to the ABK acquisition, right? And then we saw why ABK made sense to them or for their long-term plans as far as hitting all these major bullet points, even though it wasn't listed because you what I learned from them they didn't probably think that that would even be something that could happen for them because they had all these other, you know, companies and things that uh, that was supposed to be in that place. So, yeah, I thought that was interesting, you know, and then uh, ZeniMax, you know, obviously a roadmap and what, what they were thinking as far as, you know, Ghostwire Tokyo 2 and, you know, Decided 3. And I thought it was interesting that they came out and, and said, hey, you know, shame that this happened. This is not. 100% accurate as far as we know, what we learn now is there's a dynamism there's a dynamic nature there's a fluid nature of you know some of these things things can change right you know Square didn't happen Sega didn't happen look what happened right MBK so to, to the Zenimax thing Dishonored 3 was on that right now we, we didn't know about that we don't see anything about that but now we see Blake Blake wasn't on that list he doesn't say at that time so yeah it, it does show that things can change but I just thought it 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 showed me a lot on how they think. And I learned a lot about it. I, I really felt like, okay, I have a sense of what Xbox is doing and, and, and hardware, PC focus, mobile cloud, all of this is part of the pie as far as its services and revenue. What's a high profit, high revenue for them, what they consider low. Like you, you learned a lot with their thinking. Yeah. They, and they were very, very aggressive with comments <laughs> in that. Yeah. Yeah, so we got a good look at these plans. We know that mobile is a huge target for Xbox through these, uh, not even the, the the ones that they acquired like ABK, but just the targets. Everyone was about mobile, 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 Square Enix, Sega, and so on and so forth. You know, these are companies that they want to go and get. And I'm still of the mindset that just given now we know these were targets for Xbox, that the next company they're going to acquire because they plan to continue shopping, especially now they've beat the FTC in the biggest acquisition in gaming history. As Hoga said before, they're going to be bullish. They're going to go out and go for someone, I think, quicker than we imagine. Um, and I think they're going to target a big Japanese company. I do. Mm-hmm. And I think that's going to plug another weakness. And and now you have the biggest mobile game on the planet in uh, Candy Crush. And then you also have Call of Duty Mobile. And we know that they're heavily pursuing um, this mobile storefront. Like, yeah, just I think the acquisition is going to be built around that. Um, and so we, we learned a lot of that through the FTC leaks on just like email exchanges on on how like the they talked about the xbox mobile store with square enix like that was 
was that was kind of I think where the idea sparked, like looking at how much mobile output Square Enix has. Uh, they just did like Ever Crisis, for example. So um, I think that's going to be a big part of it. So I still think like those two companies, Square Enix and Sega are like on the table for Xbox. Like I think their targets like I, Sega just bought Rovia. Yeah. Like that's a huge injection of mobile content. And then Square Enix has all of these Final Fantasy IP and whatnot going on mobile. They have an Octopath game, um, Champions of the Something. Like they, they have a, a ton. So I, I feel like this is going to continue to be a focus as Xbox builds up that side of things. So the FTC leagues taught us about that. Um, when it comes to their future, I am really it. I'm not fully convinced there will be a box and just I, just because of the usage they've done like of the usage of words like the uh, platform is a word they've used or anywhere you know game pass exists on a screen and i know it's tim stewart but like they've said like phil anywhere game pass exists i feel like the platform is shifting and this might be like option if they do some type of hardware it's going to be option 1a it's kind of play your games but it's not like the same as it used to be um, and obviously we can only be so clairvoyant in that we're talking five years or so from now. Um, a lot can change in that window of time. So we'll see, but I'm not fully convinced, especially with the next controller they're doing that, like, this is going to be, um, this piece of hardware that you find in a storefront and that like, you, you know, you need to download your games. Like they talk about how more people than ever stream their games first before committing to buying them. So um yeah I, I i get why the hardware is necessary and i advocate for it but i just don't i think they're trying to get rid of it i do okay. um i think they're trying to find their own path and um and i think this is it so i'm not i think it's i'm not totally sold on it quite okay. yet um but i am excited for that controller because that that thing with the the wake up mm-hmm. when you immediately lift it and the auto connect and, and all that it, it looks great on a feature level uh game wise when it comes to bethesda schedule i'm gonna like hog uh, you know blade substituting dishonored 3 shook my confidence a little bit mm-hmm. in that like if there is a good option on the table that a sequel we may, we may be yearning for and granted this goes back to july of 2020 a sequel we may be yearning for may get canned in place of something else and so you know you get death loop and then the blade partnership comes along it's like why would we do we've done three dishonor games like right like let's move this along so i wonder about my fallout 3 remaster i wonder about you know my oblivion remake remaster i trust oblivion's more real than fallout 3 but i wonder with that kind of little substitute there combined with phil's comments unless there was on the list untitled license game Mm -hmm. so i mean you can walk and shoot them at the same time (laughs) <laughs> yeah, like, do you think because development's just starting on Blade now mm-hmm. as we speak, mm-hmm. right, that maybe Arcane's been working on something else and that's going to get out before... I mean, teams can Blade. work on multiple projects. And... <laughs> I love how I just talked myself yeah. in that circle. I started off with, like, no, and then I came back around to cope, and here I am again, like, yeah, it's on, let's go. <laughs> <laughs> no, I understand, I understand the concern. Um, yeah, I mean, look, you know, to your earlier point, in reference to um, the console thing, I'm on the opposite side of it. I don't. I still think it is too much. It is the way they look get their revenue for it being on a device and microtransactions and all that stuff is still a huge part of their business. And as much as they may want to eventually long term leave console, I don't think it's feasible to to do at this point. I don't. I, it's still again. You don't have a console in 2028. 
hybrid arm, whatever, if you are really trying to get rid of it at this point. I just think that in perfect case, yeah, like if there's everything technology wise is there and profitability can be shifted otherwise, you still need console on some level right now. I still think it, to your point, it's probably something they like, all right, begrudgingly still want to do, they have to do. That's yeah. why I give you that. I, I would yeah. give you that. I don't feel like it's something. Like, I wonder if the console, and I say like a 1A option, I think I did a bad job explaining my thoughts. Like, I wonder, Cog, if it's like, is there even going to be a disc drive on Good this point. thing? I don't think so. They're selling like half a disc, a game on a disc already. Is the store shelf presence going to matter to them? And I mean, that goes to what we said earlier about like Game Pass marketability. Like, you need to take that up a mm-hmm. notch, right? Um, so I wonder about that, where it just may be like, do you think Let's okay Let's think go. about it this way right let's say they're doing this all digital platform mm-hmm. all right I'm, I'm i'm i feel like i'm doing what you would normally do here like i'm posing to the collector yes. the yes. digital only yes. future um what would be a great way to get someone into the ecosystem than saying like look there's no disk drive this is like a uh digital streaming device and like for your next gen console this is the cheapest it's it's been you can come in for 250 dollars mm. 200 dollars mm. And like that's that's your way to access um, new Xbox games moving mm-hmm. forward. So uh, I'm just wondering, do you think that could be an option for them? Like just really cheap, digital only, no disc drive. I mean, they're they're not really that when it comes to like DRM and and like game preservation. Like Xbox gets the the rub is the best because of back compat, but like. <laughs> they're kind of the worst <laughs> so uh just curious what I you mean, think about the, the proofs of the pudding with the way this generation started right the the existence of the series s is the bet right because we they're literally doing everything you mentioned which is again the no disk drive you know subscription service based you know digital only kind of thing and um you know with, with game pass as the driver so to me that's the test and they're going to look at all the data points and see how much does the consumer truly care about all of that. Mm. And if the data suggests that they don't and gamers are not buying the discs, we are the ones that's going to sit there and say, yo, they should have did this. They should have kept the physical. And they're going to sit there and say, fam, based on these numbers, 90% of users do blah, 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 right? It's all about trends, user habits, and where things are going and, and future forecasting, you know, kind of thing. So we'll see at the end of the generation. But I, I get your point yeah. with the, I call it the begrudgingly still doing, because you need revenue from it. Here you go, guys. You know, that kind of deal. Yeah. yeah. I hope there's one more, truly, just because, like, we were all kind of robbed during the pandemic. Oh, yeah. Like <clears throat> there was this lack of magic in. I like was just chilling at home. Oh, the box is here. Like, there was still that excitement, but you know, like not being online, waiting yeah, for it, getting yeah. home at midnight. Um, that's why I remember the Xbox one launch so fondly. Like I was out there from like 4 PM. Yeah, no, I remember. <laughs> and, uh, I and remember, so, bro. It, it's, it's yeah. a whole, we're in a minute of a shift. We're definitely in a minute of a shift for sure. Yeah. Let's get into everyone's favorite subject now. The release of Starfield. Um, this is one that we talk about pretty extensively in our holiday DDU, <clears throat> focusing on like Starfield side quests, faction quests, and just kind of the future of the game moving forward. So I guess we'll try to keep this one as, as brief as we possibly can. But no doubt Starfield was the biggest launch for Xbox this generation in the terms of like, you have to get this right. You have to hit a home run here. And it's been very contentious. It has not been the absolute grand slam that I think they wanted it to be 
critically reception wise. I think the conversation on Starfield got soured really quickly, um, which I'll just say I think is a bit of a shame because while I am very critical, critical of the game, I think that this is the only game this year that I could sit down with a group of guys as we've shown twice on this channel and be able to like share stories and learn new things about the game each time. Like the water cool, cooler moments for this game, I think are some of the best I've personally had. Um, but the conversation's mostly been about what Bethesda's missed um, and how this game did not resonate with everybody. So it's a really interesting conversation of, okay, we got Bethesda Game Studios most polished release, like in terms of bugs and glitches, this is definitely the best they had. You can feel QA was all over this. The game on a commercial business level was wildly successful, top 10 most played Xbox Game Studios game, 12 million plus players. And I say this not to be antagonistic to the audience. I'm not trying to egg anyone on because I'm just trying to talk Starfield. There is a bit of goalpost moving whenever we talk player count, where they're like, well, you know, like, see, like, w w this is this is superficial, but we know Starfield's a top selling game, top 10 selling game for 2023. Um, this game, like, I'm not trying to dissuade anyone. If you didn't like it, that's cool. This game on a business level, okay, we're talking business, bean counters, which is of no concern to us, but I think it's an important part of the conversation nonetheless, was extremely successful, okay? It had the highest surge of Game Pass subs that a game has ever brought to the platform. Business-wise, I don't think Xbox could be more pleased with what Starfield brought to the table. It was a massive injection for Game Pass, for cash, for conversation. Um, this was the release they wanted, even if critically and fan reception wise, things went south. So I'm curious, Cog, for you who, um, I love Starfield, but I'm, I'm super critical of it. I know you're critical of it too, but I think you love Starfield more yeah. than I. I'm curious what you make of Starfield's release and what Xbox could glean from this moving forward, if anything at all. Yeah, high pressure, high pressure moment. Lot riding on the success of this title and a new IP from Bethesda, as well as Xbox exclusive, right? So you had all of those factors into it, and you said it perfectly. I felt like this game was a commercial success, an engagement success. This exceeded every internal metric they you know, could have imagined, right? It wasn't critically received, like you perfectly said. It was not, it was still, it was mixed. Right. So they didn't get the double whammy of, yo, we are making massive money, bread on bread, bro. Look at what we're doing. We're breaking the server. Look at everybody's playing in this engagement. Look at the pre, what was it? The numbers are insane as far as the, uh, the pre-orders before it actually it over released. Yeah, the paid bundles. Oh, was insane numbers. So they, they knocked it out the park and did what they were supposed to do commercially. Right. The question comes down to was, the, you know, for the gamer, right, was, was like, you know, was it a game of a generation, right? And that's the debate. That's the contentiousness of it. And that's fine, you know what I'm saying? But I think they look at it like, okay, this, this was huge for us. I think it gave Bethesda a shot to say, okay, you know, we, we, we got through it. I think as a result of it, I do think there's a little halo infinite energy as far as like they took that extra year and everything in their power to get this thing across the finish line from a polished standpoint. They didn't want egg on their faces. They didn't want to have any embarrassment. And I think as a result of that, maybe we wait a little bit longer for a shattered space expansion and so on and so forth. But yeah. mission accomplished as far as what Xbox needed 
And what Xbox needed was something to drive you to that console, drive you to that service, right? Get people engaged in the zeitgeist, because whatever you feel about stuff, even if you don't like it, this conversation is not to be defensive, right? Mm. From an Xbox standpoint, they got you into the platform and and PC and Steam as well. So I think that that was what I got from it. And I think internally, yeah, they're, they're happy. Would they like critical acclaim and an award? Yeah. Absolutely. They want all that stuff. Yeah. But as far as what they know what this meant, the, the back was against the wall, Manny. It really was. Mm-hmm. Because if oh, this, 100%. Yeah. If this game was like a complete disaster. Oh. oh, God. Which, it, by the way, was probably shaping up to be if they had not had Microsoft's leadership. Yes. Um, they were originally planning to launch, launch this in 2021. Bro. And, I mean, look... It, Imagine what you got today <laughs> yeah. in 2021. That that shit would have been broken. No Bro. doubt about it. And the last thing, and I, want, I don't want to understate Starfield 1 NPD for that month of September. That I have not seen from an Xbox exclusive title in some time. So yeah. that that was, again, that said all I needed to I don't to even hear. think Halo Infinite won December no. when it came out. No, yeah. I don't I don't know if Forza did. I mean, Forza was their biggest time. But this, this, Starfield cemented itself as the new thing for the Xbox platform. That, that yeah. gen, I've never seen anything else generate that that was an Xbox exclusive, so to speak. No, 100%. Completely agree. Um, and moving forward, you know, this is a game that's going to be supported for a long time. And many people are down on that because like the player count dropped off a bit on Steam, although collectively, I think Starfield is doing extremely well player count wise since it was still in the top 10 for Xbox mm-hmm. three months later. Um, that when inevitably Creations, which was added to Skyrim, makes it way, its way to Starfield uh, and, and you see um that fan-made content, you see the shattered space and whatever other updates they bring to Starfield. This is, I think, going to be a game that's going to only... I think its trajectory is upward, not yeah. downward. I don't see them making this game worse Absolutely. over time. I think it's only going to get better. I think it's only going to gradually win people in um, if you can accept a lot of what it is, which is like there's a lot of fast traveling. I don't know if they'll be able to ever get around that, um, but we'll see. But yeah, I, I think the... the <laughs> Pun intended. Sky is the limit here for Starfield <laughs> and, and, and how it uh, how it uh, moves forward. Yeah. So I am optimistic about it. Yeah. I am optimistic about the post-launch support. Mm-hmm. And even though it wasn't everything I loved about a BGS game, I loved it enough to put in my top 10. And I loved it enough where uh, I will be there for whatever they do next. Yeah. Which I think says something about after a strong year like 2023. Absolutely. I, I'm super ex- I'm super proud of that team and I'm excited for the future. I'm excited to see where they go with it because there's so much a, a potential and long tail and Microsoft looks at it as that. You know, they come out constantly and say, you know, this is a game we intend to have continue to be played in the way Skyrim is. We don't know if it'll ever get to Michael Jackson thriller numbers. Remember, that's Michael Jackson's thriller album, which is Skyrim. Yeah. But for a new IP, this was fantastic for them to have this level of engagement for a single player, no co-op, no multi-transactions, none of that. Just old school Western RPG sensibilities, you know, so to speak. Yeah. After this, I mean, the good times kept rolling for Xbox. They finally finalized the acquisition of Activision Blizzard King. So at the end of it all, a lot of distractions throughout this year because of the FTC. Even in fact, I would say there were moments in the year where otherwise this show would have been dead with nothing to talk about, but the FTC and Xbox kept it nice 
and full of things to discuss uh, across massive leaks. And I mean, you have to imagine the relief when this one crossed the finish line just because of how much they sacrificed in the public eye going to battle with PlayStation, clearly souring that relationship a bit, um, having their plans leak not only for themselves, but Bethesda. They sacrificed a lot to get this company. If at the end of all of that, they ended up empty handed, it would have been pretty like panic button mode uh, for them. I think like what we just lost so much in all of that. Mm. And it would have probably dissuaded them from acquiring further um, just because of the money lost in that, that they would have had to pay to Activision Blizzard King. It just, yeah, it would have been ugly, but that's not what happened. They ended up with ABK. And now they have the entire library there. Uh, They flew out this year, met a lot of the teams under the ABK uh, banner, um, spoke with them about, you know, what they're passionate about, trying to figure out what games everyone can work on. And so there's a restored optimism that Activision and Blizzard can be separate once more, that Blizzard can return to its former glory, much like how myself and BGS fans felt like Starfield was this opportunity for Xbox to restore them from the 76 days, the Fallout 4 era to, you know, the the Fallout 3 and the Oblivion era. And depending on who you ask, maybe they failed, maybe they succeeded on that. But there's optimism for that. There's optimism that Activision will be such a toxic place to work at. There's optimism that IP that have been chained down, your Tony Hawks, your Spyros, your Crashes, your just Singularity, the list goes on, Hexen, like there's just everything from the vault that could come back back combat there's optimism so there's a lot of optimism surrounding this and i'm wondering cog heading into 2024 what does xbox do to harness this power what is their first move if you will um that really establishes like xbox and activision are one because we have that feeling with bethesda now but how are xbox and activision going to state that they are one yeah um well said i love everything you said there what a tumultuous journey of that acquisition oh boy oh boy i mean yeah. I, how many defining dominated our show for bro, a while too how many defining two headlines titles and the, the it, bro our poor audience it, <laughs> poor audience it, it was like hey we gotta talk about it you know that kind of deal but you know yes to what you said to see everything now finalized they get it done they sacrificed a lot i feel of resources um also i think they felt sacrificed a lot of company focus and direction because all hands had to be on deck and let's be honest there's a lot of feigning weakness for public perception in court so that you can get it done so now we get past it we're here we start the we see the immediate um Reaction, which is let's fly out to Blizzard, let's fly out to King. I think King was the first trip, I believe. Yeah, King was yeah. the first trip they did to fly out there to the team. <laughs> they saw those dollar signs. Yeah. They're like, yo, yeah. yeah, let's go. Because to me, the deal is about Call of Duty, but the deal is about mobile, and the deal is about you are entering a space you have no knowledge of of success you don't know how to do it correctly you've tried you failed multiple times sorry windows phone (laughs) but that's just the reality now you acquire something that is dominant in the space you need to learn from them you need to get and, and the reason why it's important for the gamer is because this is going to help sustain the things we want. The Blade games, the whatever mm. games, the hero games, the just ones. That's why it's important. I know a lot did not care about this, but I, looking at this, you know, very objectively said, no, no, this is what they're securing their future. 
You know, they're securing Mm -hmm. a revenue stream that is immense. So, yeah, that's what I got from as far as next year, how you implement it. All eyes on me is Blizzard because Mm -hmm. all eyes on you have WoW, one of the biggest franchises going from an MMO standpoint. Do you play around with console integration? Do you play around with uh, expanding that? Do you open that up, you know what I'm saying? Like to even more platforms like a PlayStation mm-hmm. in, in, in conjunction with Tim Stewart's comments, right? For the yeah. big IP, the, the Minecraft, the COD, does WoW get there? Then the other thing, PC Game Pass. We see, you know, Phil's out in Brazil talking about this is one of our biggest markets, you know, that kind of thing. Um, obviously the mobile integration, the mobile store, how do they implement that? What's a part of that? How does that go with their plans? So now... All eyes are on 2024 on how you integrate because now you got the deal done. The real work begins now. This is a hard undertaking. This is not easy. Blizzard and them are looking to you to say, okay, hey, help us. We didn't like how things were going during the Bobby Kotick mm-hmm. era. And then you got Mikey Barno's teams. This is going to be critical, Holland. This is, I'm, I'm not that I'm, I'm not worried. I'm just like, what are they going to do with that, right? What are they going to do to, to truly help those teams yet at the same time expand what they're trying to do with their overall vision. So it's, it's exciting. It's exciting, but uh, you know, they, they get paid the big bucks to, to make it happen. You know what I'm saying? That kind of thing. Yeah. So, you know, and, and the last thing, I think you said it one Duke before no more excuses because you've got the biggest publisher. You've got like, you literally, it would be like, this is, you know, Mets hot stove. You've got the biggest free agent. You signed the A-Rod of its time. You know what I mean? Like Mm -hmm. you, you can't, you can't mess this up. A lot of futures are on this, right? It's exciting, but you have to execute. So the pressure is on. I don't want to minimize it. This is a big deal so yeah this is this is it's gonna be fun to watch especially i, I say keep your eyes on king we, I, kings of money make you can't fumble that back but blizzard and pc how do you handle that what do you do with that yeah i'm I'm very keen to see how they handle this because they've been together for a decent amount of time they've talked about how the integration's going quicker than expected but to our surprise we thought there'd be a uh round table if you will kind of like what happened with bethesda and there has yet to be that there has yet to be this beyond Twitter, beyond a couple of interviews, this public commitment that's seen in a visible, tangible way, gamer-wise. Yeah. And so whatever that first move is going to be needs to be yeah. noteworthy. Need that couch. And I just wonder now, because like, does that, does that factor into a developer direct, right? Like, do mm-hmm. you say like, hey, like here's Odyssey, for example, uh, like as part of the other first party games that get announced or just extended showings of. Um, is that how you make the first introduction or do you do a roundtable with them first? Like there's a lot of public showings that need to be done first, I think, to to properly establish what to expect. Because like one of the questions and it's still a question, funny enough, like right now we're as we record, like the, the, we're in the thick of figuring out, like, is Blade exclusive or not? The big question with all of these IP and all these studios, Xbox acquires like, is this going to be exclusive? So what is the status for Activision games? Because he said for Bethesda, you know, he said with like legacy and stuff, you know, they're going to support everything online. They're going to support everything. But like, you know, it's like a new game, you know, going to a platform where Game Pass exists. Yeah. Um, and it seems like that rule is constantly in question. So I hope they establish something pretty firm 
on what's going to be happening with Activision. I know you can't give an answer in perpetuity, yeah. but Xbox fans are hungry for meaningful exclusives. Yeah. And when you acquire these companies, the reason that any Xbox fan gets excited is because they know, okay, like, I like that. That can be possibilities. A big, a big value addition to my investment. Um, and so they need more verbalized, tangible commitments from Xbox in what they're going to be doing with these companies they're acquiring. Because I think the fact that we're here at the end of 2023 debating Blade and there's the possibility that it's not exclusive uh, is absurd. Yeah. I just I, I can't believe like we're having this conversation right now. And I don't want to get too off track just because who knows if by the time this goes out, if things have changed, (laughs) if comments have been made or if it's a PlayStation, whatever it may be, you know, it's going to be it is what it is. Right. But point being is there's always these floating question marks, even around their biggest moments. That should have been a moment like, yo, it's Marvel. Xbox has their Marvel game. But look what the talk is about, because they've not been clear enough because they've not put their foot down enough or when they have the announcement, they just don't put their branding on it. So Mm -hmm. it's. Uh, you know, the only thing I saw was like the uh, the the content creator influencer manager who who's worked with us directly before uh, when it came to Blade did have Xbox tag. They said like Marvel plus Bethesda plus Arcane plus Xbox equals Blade. So, yeah, I mean, I like maybe that ends up being exclusive. But the point being is we're stewing, we're stirring, we're trying to figure out what it is. Mm-hmm. And. I'm hoping with ABK, that's not a problem. That's yes. to me like priority one. Like, yes. Let us know what we are going to get. Yes. Um, I think beyond that, cleaning up the workplace is like priority, oh, I guess, like yes, 1A yeah. or 1B. Ooh, just point. because like for us as consumers, I think 1A is is the games. You know, we want the well-being of the developers to be taken care of. But we know that <laughs> I hate to say it. I'm not speaking for myself that we know most gamers uh, don't care. They just want the products at the end of the day, unfortunately. And so, uh, you know, they need to put as much time and attention to cleaning that place up and making it a place that people look forward to working within um, as possible. Because many people within Activision see Xboxes as like beacon of hope in what is otherwise a pretty dismal place to work at. So I hope that they uh, work towards that. And I think this, that that with the inclusion of Activision, um, you know, you had in 2022 the Xbox and Bethesda showcase, like this marriage, right? Then this year was the Xbox showcase with a lot of Bethesda presence. So next year, I'm imagining it's just going to be the Xbox showcase with the expectation that Bethesda and Activision are going to be there, right? Like, I don't know if they're going to do the Xbox and Activision showcase at any point to kind of create that marriage. And then, you know, it's I'm spiraling at this point, but there's just a lot of question marks lingering that I hope they answer. No, but the the main point that you're on fire with and the theme of what I, I get from you, what you're saying is clarity in message. You have to have we can't have the questions. Why this? But why not that? You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. clarity and being on board with messaging and being on brand is going to be big with them, especially with ABK. Yes, I agree. Yeah. So with that, Cog, we've kind of covered all the major beats for 2023. And now we look to beyond. Yeah. We look at 2024. We look at the years afterwards where I have this list of games here. Hellblade 2, Avowed, Microsoft Flight Sim 2024, Stalker 2, Clockwork Revolution, Fable, Outer Worlds 2, Blade, OD, State of Decay 3, 33 Immortals, Towerborn, South of Midnight, Project Shaolin, Elder Scrolls 6, and obviously much more to be announced from like the likes of Bethesda, from the likes of um, Activision, where like we talked about the leaked Oblivion remake or the Fallout 3 remaster, but you know, these are 
these are games that uh, that we don't even know about. So I think this list is only going to grow, potentially double throughout 2024. <laughs> uh, there's a lot on the way, though. And I think for fun, we could pick out one that we're most excited about, most anticipated from Xbox in 2024. Obviously, a lot of these games that are listed are, are 2025 and beyond. But um, also uh, what you're hoping to see is maybe a surprise or see more of next year. Yeah, I mean... I think I think for me all all eyes are on Hellblade too, man. And I I just think that that you know that is technically the hashtag just one is just a sequel. <laughs> it, it, mm-hmm. it hit every single bar and it and it really showed well in showcase. But I think that to me it's important because as we know that style of game tends to resonate the most with people from other ecosystems and the casual. Right. So it is imperative that Xbox knocks this out the park. And I think Ninja Theory will do good. You know, so I'm looking at it. That's probably by the most anticipated, even though, you know, I'm Team Obsidian, you know, I'm 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 a, I'm a vow. You know, my heart is out of world, too. You know, all that is cog. But I understand and rest in peace, my good brother, Dizzy. I understand what a successful, critically acclaimed Hellblade does for the Xbox platform. And I'll sacrifice my selfishness as the RPG guy, you know what I'm saying? So that's that. But as far as um, what you said, like another one that's un- like anticipated, but maybe either, either there or we haven't talked about yet. Yeah. Um, I'm looking at things like 33 Immortals. I'm looking at, um, I'll be honest, I'm looking at, I'm looking at ABK. I'm looking at Call of Duty. <laughs> I, mm. I, 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 I think, listen, as the person who is the non-Call of Duty guy, They've got to be shouting this from the marketing roof rooftops. They've got to you. You go to an esports thing. I, I hate to sound real foul, like you got to put all the Xboxes there now with the Xbox controller, and, and you've got to let everyone know this is where it's at now. And you better get there. They'd be foolish not to. It's not even like we're advocating. As like, you know, give us the win. It's like, yeah. you've spent so much on them. Like, you've got to have your fingerprints all over Bro, Call of Duty. I want to see a Series S Call of Duty with the skull face band that they got the meme on, right? <laughs> and every, you go in every Target, every Walmart, and go, oh, yo, I can leave right now with this card because the, the you know, the pack-in game pass, whether it be the two to three month or the month or whatever it is, and then you win on the system. This is, I want to see the game pass core and all that stuff. These subscriptions go up. And yeah. also, because we talked about how poorly they are doing in European markets, not named UK and Germany, right, where... I want to see the localization for the Call of Duty. I want to see Call of Duty in those areas. You see what I'm saying? And all the big ABK mm. titles to get that group to say, oh, yo, Xbox is serious. They're doing, they can't, they're here now. You know what I mean? And this is the biggest game that they're here now with, so to speak. You've got to do a, a better job there. So that that's where yeah. I'm at as far as the um, 2024 and the thing I'm probably anticipating for them. It, it's time. You, you spent all yeah. this bread. It's time to turn up. Yeah. I agree. I think for me, um, you know, I have to speak to my taste. I just yes, uh, about. Um, oh, yeah. yeah. I, I hope I, I don't know if this game will, will come out um, next year. I, I feel more and more like I could see this getting delayed into early 2025, uh, just given how what we saw was pre-alpha. Yeah. And that definitely needs a lot more time then. Um, but nonetheless, with it having that potential window, uh, 
the idea of you know obsidian making pretty much fantasy outer worlds with like highly interactive magic and also having by the way the the lacking of ego to admit on camera this was going to be multiplayer but we pulled the plug really early it's not the type of game we're built to make and just recognizing strengths re-energizing the team and feeding into that uh very excited just now that they know that they're making their usual style of game uh, i loved the outer worlds so for me like to get a fantasy version of that is going to be crazy especially set in the pillars world which i'm just not into the pillar style of gameplay yeah um there's actually a really interesting chat uh over at gdc gdc that you can watch it's of uh josh sawyer doing what i think is one of the most admirable things i've seen in in game development which is he's literally dismantling why pillars of attorney 2 failed wow. and why why divinity original sin 2 leapfrogged that game wow. and like why it was successful and he broke down the combat the story he took blame in a lot of instances on choices he made it was uh it's it's an incredible chat he's there for an hour just dismantling wow. systematically dismantling his own work mm. and it's on a public stage, no less, to teach us about that kind of, I put in quotes, failure. It's not a bad game. It just didn't do well commercially. He's like, why is that? Here's why. Um, and so, yeah, I I hope that I can get into the Pillars world with, uh, with Avowed. But also, in the terms of a game that maybe we're not hearing much about, but I could see us hearing more about next year, mm. I'm going to stick with Obsidian, man. I am under the firm belief that Outer Worlds 2 is way closer than mm. we expected because to our knowledge, thanks to good old LinkedIn Ooh. on multiple occasions, Outer Worlds started right to started right after the first one. And I had they had a couple expansions under their belt. Obsidian's a pretty big team. They seem to have taken the Xbox acquisition most in stride out of anyone who has been acquired uh, by this company where they got grounded out. They got Pentiment out. Like they, to me, have not lost a step. So I have no reason to not believe that obsidian is primed for like the insomniac level double whammy of yeah you're gonna get miles morales and then a little bit over half a year later you're gonna get rift apart <clears throat> and like that is and i know like miles morales wasn't like a full full big game like uh like spider-man one was but i mean you could spend an easy like 20 30 hours in, in miles morales so it wasn't like a small game either so i could see like avowed and the outer worlds too like being a year apart people going what so i feel like there's a chance you know we see more of the outer worlds too next year um and i would i would be very happy if so <laughs> that was dangerous sorry <laughs> yeah no i think you're on to something you know something i've echoed i think that that game is closer than many may think and just a matter of the cadence, right? And to your point, yeah, I'm super excited for Vowed in whatever order they have. I think the most excitement I have for 2024 is the potential of Hellblade and Avowed in the same year with everything else. Like that that could be massive. And if Avowed's not ready, hey, how the worlds, if you want to step in a spot and, you know, hey, yeah. Yeah. go for it, you know, kind of thing. So, yeah, I agree. Um. Last thing I really wanted to dive into here beyond the games is going to 2024. I want you to cherry pick one thing that you hope to see Xbox improve on. I know we've highlighted a lot of that. Oh, I know boy. we talked about like messaging, marketing. We talked about quality release of Redfall mm -hmm. and stuff. 
I want you to cherry pick like one thing maybe you felt we missed here. And if we overlap, then good, yeah. we'll just both tackle at the same time. But one thing that maybe you felt we missed here that you hope Xbox finally gets together on in 2024. Um, feature complete launches. Mm. So talk. What talk. I want is no more of the live service fix and forget it later you know we'll do that we got you it's coming because you we evolving as a platform with said game right so because of the success of game pass we still have to set a quality standard and when and when it comes out on launch whatever title it may be right if you need more time delay it great but if you launch Please launch with all the features you discussed would be available <laughs> because I don't want this mentality of just throw it in the service. We'll continue to evolve it over time. And don't worry, it'll definitely be great eventually. You know, it'll be like, no, I don't want that because it sets Game Pass branding back as you could just. You know, it doesn't matter. Yeah, like the effect is negative to the overall product and we can just fix it later because the install base is there. Exactly. And I don't want a bargain basement feel. <laughs> you know what I mean? You yeah. know when you walk yeah. into Best Buy and you the first thing you the bargain basement joints and you, you yeah. like you want I want to feel special. I want my joint presented nice. I want the napkin, the guy with the thing. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like I want that. That's what Game Pass is to me. Like lies of P, like like that level of energy yeah, yeah, yeah. all Speaking the time. Right? Feature complete. I want hi-fi rush level of feature complete. Oh my God, this is a massive quality game. Everything is here. Wow, this is amazing. I can't believe, I feel like I'm stealing on getting this on Game Pass. Mm -hmm. Don't give me this. Yeah, and we're going to get you the, the other tracks later. Yeah, you're going to get the bunny ears and the maps. You know, no, <laughs> <laughs> no. Feature complete <laughs> that's what i want quality standard guys i know you can do it yeah that's that's a good one mine would be messaging but since we really went in on that and just how mixed it is my other one would be living up to something that they've teased one too many times um and i don't know why this thing keeps getting back but i think it needs to be a priority uh, achievements I think it's oh, time. Good, good call. Good call. I think it's time, man. I it's been time. Uh, you created this system. It really this meta game revolutionized what gaming was for so many people. And to let PlayStation lap you with your own ability, and who knows what Nintendo is going to do next with their own console if they finally get those their own version of like achievements or trophies. Uh, you know, I, I just wonder to myself like if they now lap Xbox, like this is going to look even worse for them. So. It's time for them to take their system and do something with it. And I, I say this especially now because quietly Xbox has been whittling away at the Microsoft Rewards program, which was one of the original top reasons why achievements were so great at, at this point, because it was like, yeah, they need an overhaul. But look what's happening. Like Microsoft Rewards, you'll like play a game and you'll get a certain amount of points and like you can turn this into cash. And I don't know why but i mean they're giving you way less they're changing the the requirements for how to complete challenges they're they're completely overhauling that part of the system 
where it, it went from going like, OK, I need to spend a lot of time on this platform. But if I do spend a lot of time here, I'm going to make a little bit of money. Maybe I can pay for a month of Game Pass one of these months with the rewards points. It went from like that to just like pennies on the dollar, man. Like it was <laughs> it's been a major regression. And so now it's like, OK, I get it. You know what? Evil villain Microsoft will show its face, as I've said before. Don't don't get it twisted. They will show their face as they continue to solidify themselves more. But okay, if you're gonna take that away, give me the free digital goodies that are achievements. Overhaul the system. Where is your platinum? Preach. Diamond tro achievements are cool, like the idea, but everyone's been asking, and I know this is this is where stubborn Xbox comes in, Let's right? Go. This is one of those situations where like it's the developer direct all over again. I see the vision. I get the idea. You want to do your own thing. And I think in those moments, it works out. But this is one of those moments, bro, just mandate to developers. One more at the top where once you get all these, Ooh, this one here unlocks. Nice. Call it the crown jewel or whatever Ooh. you want to call it. Until it, so it filters into that naming convention like diamonds and whatever. Call it the crown jewel. I got 10 crown jewels on Xbox. Like That sounds cool as hell. Finito. Mm -hmm. That is it, truly. Mm -hmm. And... The fact that they've been missing this is not just me being someone who enjoys achievements. The, the fact that they're missing this is blatantly ignoring that purchasing decisions for many gamers hinge on this. Many people love the metagame of trophies and achievements. And there was a time that maybe they were neck and neck doing their own thing, but there is no denying that as time has gone on, and I'm guilty of it, I talked about another show, I bought recently Bomb Rush Cyberfunk on my PlayStation because, I mean, it wasn't available at the time on Xbox, but I bought it on PlayStation because I was like, you know what? The idea of getting the Platinum, most of these games, by the way, I don't even get the Platinum for, but I buy it for PlayStation because I think to myself, well, if I fire open that list and the Platinum's easy to get, I know I'm gonna be spending the max amount of time here. It just immediately, is like this switch in my brain flips. For many, that doesn't exist, but I'm not gonna pretend it doesn't for a ton of people. The person who owns the company we work at is one of those people <laughs> yes. who, who's built his entire personality Indeed. around like collecting achievements. So, or a trophy, sorry. So I think it's way more important than Xbox has given it credit for. And I, I, I liked how they brought the Microsoft reward system closer to it. Um, and I hope that is a part of this overhaul, but I think it needs to come sooner rather than later, man. I really Pretty do. Sharp. I think they are sleeping on what is something that will, those fringe purchasers, this makes that conversation internally with themselves when you're looking at the Xbox and the PlayStation like a little bit more difficult. Right now, it'll just come down to probably like, what platform are my friends on? Bro. I just I, I just feel this is something they need to stop talking about, which they keep saying, it's on the roadmap, it's on the list. It's like, <laughs> how far down the fucking list is, is it, dude? <laughs> <laughs> like, you guys have been saying for three, four years now, like, Reach. it's on the list. What have you been doing beyond that? So, you know, like, especially with back compat over and smart delivery over, okay, we've coped and accepted that. You gotta tackle this. You can't keep avoiding it. It is important. And I know you missed your window with the new generation, but with like a mid-gen refresh, might be a good shot in the arm. Well, I could go on. No, but well I won't. said, well said. I mean, for me, I was just, while you're talking, I was looking at my Xbox profile and I've been 20 years on Xbox Live. 20 years. That's literally a child. <laughs> I can add right there, you know what I'm saying? And I, I look at it as, a, as an OG Xbox alpha tester 
you know, for Xbox Live, they are the trailblazers in the in the area, right? Mm. And the trailblazer is now lapped <laughs> in terms of the features and the things that they themselves introduced. So yeah, I'm with you. They need to do this. They I want not only that, because the wait has been so long, like I told you before in previous Dukes and um stuff that I've talked to with other people during the Mikey Barra days when he was an Xbox employee, there has to be even a more deeper level on the profile. Hey, you're a guy that plays just Fortnite all the time. You're a guy that plays this, you know, some type of entitlement or thing that shows your dedication in your profile to these said games. I remember the era of the avatar specific unlock based on how much commitment you had. You played Gears all the time. You might get this Gears shirt for your avatar or some badge to commemorate that it's mm-hmm. for a company who values live service and engagement as their content and services business you do this they're going to engage with the content consistently yeah. this literally goes hand in hand with what your revenue vision is so you need to get on it <laughs> you need to get, you can't be talking about and i and i know part of it is Eye off the ball with ABK on some levels, but there's no excuse with you being the actual trailblazer in the online space and in the uh, achievement space. So yeah, they got to they got to get on it. Uh, I hope eventually we actually have that. You know what is it? Platform update or mid refresh UI refresh? Now it's just building the expectations, dude. Yeah. Now it's like, what are you guys doing? That's taking this long. Like this isn't a new complaint. Correct. This is an old one Correct. that's been on the on the bulletin board for a while here. So now if they just come out and I feel like they've put themselves in this spot where I said earlier, like they could have just done a platinum to play devil's advocate with myself. It's like now if they do just that, some people might go like, really? That's it. And I would be like, great, yeah. that's it. Like, that's all we wanted. But um, I feel like there are going to be some fans who are displeased. Like, you took this long just yeah. to add this in. Like, why couldn't you have done this eight years ago? Yeah. That's a good point. <laughs> so, yeah, we'll, we'll see where it all ends up. But I hope next year they finally address that. Yes. Anyway, Cog, that was a great critical yeah. look at Xbox going into 2024. I'm wondering um, how our audience responds to this and how they feel about 2024 2023 the year xbox had what they hope they improve on um and so naturally we encourage you to sound off down below cog we need a hashtag for this one you got an idea in mind yeah, let's go um i was gonna say xbox future is kind of long um dd future dd future Do i like that yeah dd future let's go dd future okay mm-hmm. So, ladies and gentlemen, if you got this deep, you want to let us know your thoughts on the episode down below. You can use the hashtag DDFuture. Throw your thoughts in the comments. Otherwise, Cog and I are over are over. Sorry, on Twitter. I am at G27Status. Cog is at Lord Cognito. You can find us there. Throw your thoughts our way. Use the hashtag DDFuture. Otherwise, Cog, any final thoughts in what I... I think this is going to be our last episode of the year. Yeah. So any, any closing thoughts here? Well, fantastic. First of all, shout out to you because fantastic hosting. This man, you don't know how much, <laughs> how hard he works behind the scene. He makes my job so much easier as a person, as a, as a fellow host. I know the preparation and things that, you know, it takes to, to kind of make things interesting. And he always comes into Duke with this tremendous energy and, and insight. And I appreciate you, sir. I appreciate you this oh, year. Thank you, man. Because, um, again, you know, I, th- this was, as all our shows, in my opinion, you know, so insightful. And you get my creative juices going 
the way you approach things. So salute to my Mr. Matty Plays, Realm of the Duke, fellow Duke, another year in. And uh, salute to the audience, man, because you guys have been rocking with us. And, and someone had a funny comment. And it's not trying to bash anybody. It was like, you know, other podcasts. And then it was like the Dukes, health is wealth. This is that. This is that. Yeah, you know, it's kind of like you guys, you know, we bring this different type of energy. And it's dope. And the last thing I think, you know, I want to say shout out to um, Spotify. You know, obviously, you know, taking a shot oh, yeah. with, with, with the Dukes and the audio listeners, everyone that writes in, you know, it, it really is appreciated because I think we are doing something really special. And I love to see that energy when, you know, you see people say, yo, my top five was Divine and Duke and you got I did so many hours yeah, we got a lot of tags this year it was, oh, it was really a good feeling it was yeah. really cool to see it it means a lot as, as people let's be honest Matty as work as hard as we do because we don't give ourselves enough credit we both work extremely hard it is a little refreshing to see people that truly appreciate the work and the energy we try to do and, and for Divine and Duke and shout out to the LSM fan for holding us down you know so yeah. that's where I'm at with it man. what about you yeah I appreciate your kind words, mm-hmm. um, you know, because like I, I do try to put a lot of time into this show. I'll talk about that in a little bit. But, you know, you make it worthwhile. Like you show up prepared. I've had hosts in the past who just don't show up prepared. And it, it, it feels like my energy gets siphoned because then I'm like, OK, like I can't like I might as well have gone and made a video then right. you know, because I I can talk for myself. But the conversation that we have is what's important. Um, and the friendship, the brotherhood yes. we have is also important. I think that's what makes this show uh, really special is it's, you know, we we talk often off the air, which I think is is such a key component of our show is it's not like, all right, see you next week. Dude. Yeah. Like it's, you know, we, we talk within the same like hour of us finishing up the show sometimes. Um, so I appreciate you for all the effort, time and energy you bring in here. And um, just for, for the love you bring in, man, like, you know, that's you, you bring a special energy to this show you kind of i call it the it factor like you have something that just people love in you um and i think it's just that infectious energy of like man how can you hate this guy come on now like um so i appreciate you for for always being here and especially with the year you've had health wise man like for you to to show up you you i don't know if you missed a week or not this year i don't think you did but um you know, I hurt my back and I had to miss a week because I literally couldn't sit in a chair. But I mean, like you were going through it this year, bro. So for you to show up as often as you did, um, you know, very brave of you because, you. you know, it's like we we, we both are guilty of getting our own, in our own heads super often and getting down on one our, our, ourselves. And, um, you know, when life is tough and then you kind of subject yourself to the online space, it can it can when it rains and pours is what it becomes. Um, so you, you show tremendous strength in just pushing through some scary moments in your life to, to be here and to to lift this show up to a whole other level. So I appreciate you oh, thanks, doing brother. that. And I appreciate our audience for for hanging with us. Um, you know, this this wasn't an easy year for me, really, yeah. either on a health Ooh. front, but really on an emotional level, this was a real test for me. I was going through a lot of changes in my life yeah. behind the scenes. I had like an ongoing chronic health issue for over a year mm-hmm. uh, that I was just quietly. I mean, you knew Cog and, and and people close to me knew, but I was not making it public because I I always get afraid when I talk about that stuff. Like, I don't want people to treat me differently right. uh, because they feel bad. Like, oh, he's like sick or, you know, in my case, for those who didn't pay attention, like really bad balance problems. Mm-hmm. I think there's physical therapy i've i've not had any issues in a, a couple of months now so i've you know god bless i've been mm-hmm. doing really well um lately where uh you know I, I don't feel like i'm on roller skates constantly which is has been nice i have a sense of like peace yeah physically yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. in my life but i just always get afraid of talking about that stuff because i don't want people to think you're like mooching attention and i don't want people to think 
Like this is a, you know, like I, I don't want them to go like they're about to give us sound constructive criticism. They're like, yeah, but like Matt had a tough week. Yeah. You know, like, ah, uh, you know, and I appreciate the consideration. It's just I don't want to ever disarm someone from helping us make our show better. So I appreciate the audience hanging with us and, and joining in those conversations and really sharing their own health as wealth stories. You know, the reason we yeah. talk about this stuff is your write-ins let us know that it's important that we focus on this stuff. Uh, I'm really going to take a good serious look in the mirror this holiday break uh, and, and adjust a bit. You know, right now we're running on fumes. Ooh. This is uh, we podcasted on Tuesday twice How many on times Wednesday. I'm today? <laughs> yeah, yeah, man, I, I'm barely keeping track. Like we've yeah. podcasted like seven times, seven times in the last week, week. Yeah. and we're talking full shows like yeah. this. Um, and so it's been that moment of like, I can feel like my body, like my muscles and my chest are really tight, tight right now. My shoulders are very oh. sore because I'm just hunched in this oh. chair talking. I only have like light upper shut, body movement or even like going to <laughs> even going to the gym. Like it's like I don't feel like I'm getting up enough. So it's it's uh, it's giving me a moment to reflect here during the holiday season on like, how can I better orient my life to be a little more healthy where uh, I know this is a part of my living. I'm going to be podcasting. I'm going to be in a chair two, three, four hours at a time. What can I do surrounding that to offset the feeling you get physically from it? Because, uh, you know, I don't think it's good long term. So I just uh, appreciate the audience uh, investing in us in that way, because, you know, it, it lets us continue to reflect further. And as long as we better ourselves, hopefully we can have that impact on those around us who uh you know we're not perfect here yeah. certainly we're not but uh to, to have that human level impact beyond the games is is important and rare yes is what i would say in closing it's uh uh you know there there, there are definitely people who i think in the internet like walk the line uh where they don't want to piss anyone off and i don't think our goal is ever to do that but i was having a really good talk with a close friend of mine about uh this year was definitely i think in the terms of challenge like we had a stretch where we were like really having a pretty rigorous back and forth members of our audience some being disingenuous for sure intentionally but but some just not happy with the product and uh this was kind of a test for us to kind of where do we respond to feedback where do we carry ourselves and just have faith in what we're doing uh where do we double down where do we take our victory laps Mm -hmm. um and i was talking with a buddy and He said something that was really impactful because I was like, you know, sometimes like the internal temptation with how strong, especially during the stretch with Starfield, like you just don't want to say something because you're like, I don't want to deal with it. I just don't want to hear from you and the shit you have to say. It was encouraging to hear something along the lines of, I believe he said, I think it's important you say things, even if they piss someone off or make them feel good, because that means what you've said matters Mm. and that you're moving the needle one way or the other. And since I know our intentions are good at heart in that we want to have meaningful conversations always, it was this kind of last shot in the arm to get through this year where I felt very restored in this sense of, you know what? I've never questioned myself and I'm not about to do it now. And I, and that doesn't mean I'm impervious to, mistakes Correct. or we all are. constructive criticism yep. or any of that stuff i'm always open to that i think our show displays that absolutely uh, but it was that moment of like you know what yeah like i i'm gonna talk my talk i'm gonna mm-hmm. give my opinion because that's the value i think i bring is that i do not compromise it in in what i believe in that moment and like i'm willing to hear more information and change as time goes on I think I have the open mindedness there and i know you do too mm-hmm. uh but that you know the fact that we want to have the meaningful conversation and we're, we're gathering an audience who wants that too. Uh, that was kind of the last stretch of this year that's really bogged me down. So I appreciate 
the audience hanging with us and i feel like yeah, we definitely have recovered. Like, it's not like we were getting beaten down, but just there was like the continuous yeah. whining from a lot of people or disingenuous nice. reframing. And we would get pissed at that and be like and shoot back. And right. it was just this toxic back and forth Correct. where we finally pulled out of that muck. Yes. And I think the audience collected with us like they've moved with us every step of the That's way. So I'm, I'm, I'm on my main character monologue now. I'll stop. But I just uh, I appreciate everyone supporting our show because yes. just to, to just to tie it up here. What Cog said is true that I I spend a lot of time preparing for this show Ooh. and I do it on top of my channels. Uh, I do it on top of the game I'm working on. I do it because I hope that people will show up and enjoy what I think is a much more different feeling product from what you can typically get in the podcast space, which is super saturated. So I, I hope you all enjoy what we put together week in, week out. Again, a lot of time goes into it. And a lot of sacrifice for our bodies, if you yeah, will, yeah. Uh, goes into it in a different way. You know, it's mm -hmm. not like we're out here like construction workers, you know, we're, we're developing arthritis early. But, you know, we're we're putting in the work where we hope that we're, we're putting together these quality shows that, that you enjoy and continue to enjoy. And I think uh one last thing sorry no, go for it. this has been our biggest year yet yes and uh we've seen numbers that we only dreamt of for defining duke uh maybe it's not been as you know Kagi and i've talked privately maybe not as consistent as we would have liked at times where like after starfield there was a bit of a drop and then we've picked back up um but i'm proud of us i'm yeah. proud yeah. that you know during during the big moments like our starfield review during the xbox ftc redfall's launch I think we shine more than we ever have before. Mm -hmm. I think the fact that those episodes were universally loved in the biggest moments of Xbox's year, which is, you know, where you want to be at your A game. Um, I'm proud of us on that front. Yeah, I'm too. proud that that people come to us to hear the conversations, even though we don't get I'll say it for real. We do not get special treatment. Yeah. We do not get the interviews. We do not get the host. The, the, the people that we request for this show are the same ones you're seeing go to other shows. I don't know what it is. We do not get that. But the fact that we can still pull those numbers yeah. and show that we have an impact, uh, that's what matters because we, we're trying to serve you to the best of our ability. And so um, we just appreciate you being there for us in spades this year. Yes. This is definitely a big year for the Dukes where, you know, year one was pretty good. But then with Carrick leaving and a lot of changes for the show, it kind of tapered off a bit. And I had to restructure and yeah, analyze cool. and find like, what's our title cadence? What's our thumbnail cadence? Like, how are we going to get people in the door here without them feeling misled or jaded or pissed off? And like, I've made mistakes on that this year for sure. I think there were times that things came across a little too baity and that's on me. Uh, but I think now with the fun thumbnail cadence and the titling, like I think we finally found this thing where the conversation is about the show. So I appreciate everyone bearing with us as we, you know, continue to move along with this. And uh, thank you for our best year yet. I truly appreciate no it. No doubt. Well said. 2024. Here we come. Excited for the future of the yes, show. Sir. What we got doing. And um, yeah, man, I'm ready. I'm ready. And then also for those who didn't know, so I might as well get it out the way now. <laughs> Excited for the next chapter of my life career wise as well. Oh, um, we're doing this yeah, now. Just, just okay. get it out since everybody, we, we're having our character monologue. So for those who don't know, I'm, <laughs> I'm no longer with Meta. No hard feelings, anything like that. But, um, you know, I'll be looking excited opportunities that's more game sensible you know gaming adjacent mm. kind of thing and in the meantime i still got you know things that i i'm doing that uh, i'm excited about you know short term so who knows where the path will go but i am excited for what is to come and i still get to do in, in addition to that podcasting and the stuff i love so that's that's yes, what sir. i'm probably looking forward to the most 2024 yes sir
Well, congrats to you. And I'm Thank very you. excited for your next chapter. Thank you very much. You got a lot of good stuff lined up for you. So with that, ladies and gentlemen, we appreciate you listening to our main character moments here. We hope you enjoyed the last episode of Defining Duke and Xbox podcast for 2023. We appreciate you immensely. And we will catch you in 2024 with our next episode of Defining Duke. So take care until then and peace out. Defining Duke, an Xbox podcast, is a product and trademark of Last Stand Media and Collins Last Stand LLC and is recorded from the United States of America. The show is conceived by Matthew Mr. Matty Plays Schroeder and me, Colin Moriarty, and is written and produced by Matthew Schroeder. Maddie's co-host is Barry Lord Cognito Eversley. Defining Duke's executive producer is Dustin Furman, and the show is edited by associate producer Ben Smith. All of Last Stand's theme music is by Ramon Narvaez. As you know, all of Last Stand Media's shows, including Defining Duke, are fan-funded on Patreon at patreon.com slash laststandmedia. The following names are at the producer support level on Patreon, and we're thankful for your kindness and generosity. William Holbert, Ross Marenka, Miguel A. Brewer, Morgan Ashley, Azan, Michael Vecchio, SLVFMA, Daniel D'Amore, Brad Cooley, Jeremy Key, Patrick Leslie, Malachi Wall, Dave Cowell, Donald John Vader, Stephen Innerfield, Iroquois Pliskin, Logan Little George, Vincent Valenzuela, Landon Pipkin, Kyle Johnson, Daniel Beresford, Brian Williamson, Jorge Padua, Vance Cody, Rallo, Mr. Ayub, Casey Raymond, Denny Sniper Teeth, Extian, Magic Marker 215, Ross R. Lowe, Kevin Hawley, Austin Lipka, Paul Warren, Harold Ustash, Will Williams, Nicholas Renaud, Shane Breck, Sean Llewellyn, Michael Mash Potato, Sweaty Magic, Nate Izod, Harkeet Johnny, Ellis, Albion, Josh Sullinger, Jacob Donovan, Dark Archer SC, My Name is Mayo, Jason R. Zahn, Sean Hatfield, Christopher Knock, Grayson Maxwell, Cody Woodall, Sorta Serious Gaming, Mark Arnold, Whiskey Sin, Zia Parrix, Sean Miles, Relentless Rex, Alan Tiniak, Dustin Klingman, Christian R., Jad Rita, Jacob Hancock, Luke Aldersley, Dustin Graff, Zach Cohen, Peyton Stone, Fozzie Bear, Michael Buffle, Dan Root, Asak Parades, Talisman, Christopher Morgan, Randall Holsey, Dio or Die, T Bone. 007, Josh Godfrey, Kalike Zuza, Betty Ann Moriarty, Travis, Ross Chandler, H-Trons, Antonio C, Alan Einer, Jay Getter, Bjorn Campbell, Theo, Jeff Mercado, Gregory Slavinsky, Jordan Gale, Of Fortuna, John Zyle, Boots, Tyler Brown, Megadet, Mr. Moth, Poot, Gavin Newland, Alex Lapierre, Carl Wallace, Saul Balcazar, Raul Melendez, Matt Flowers, Kinnums, Joseph Baker, Kendrick Caius, Jimmy Rodriguez, Rockin' Ace, Dave Alvarez, Will Hernandez, Chris Galvin, Adam Hall, Mason Bichard, Ollie Fritz, Anthony Marola, John W. Torres, Saqib Alam, Kyle Hagel, Colin Love, Daryl E. Naaman, Toby Ryland, Stewie 108, Andy Miller, Patrick Montgomery, Richter 86, Derek Wechter, Barrett Boswell, Christopher DeVaio, Chris Morton, Joel Holcomb, Aaron Beck, Johnny Waffles, Roto 24, Jonathan Coates, Logan Sharp, Sean Mason, Josh Gravelick, Jordan Town, Brian Chand, Organic Produce, Carlos Algorit, Mike Menzel, Richard Hebert III, Miranda Grubba, Joosh, Martin Beck, Gavin, Jerome Ferreira, Joey Andrzejczyk, Nathan R., Joe McPartland, Gary Cavallo, Christopher Moore, Jacob Bell, Dennis Usel, Lewin Ray Loper, Jonathan Cortez, John Schultz, Tom Quinn, Anton Kay, Alan Tremblay, Ryan T. Mandel, Porkin Beans, Jean-Francois Forzi, Tony Zuniga, Robbie Hensley, Shane Miller, Alex Cabrera, Corey Dustin, Hugo's Desk, Peter Reynolds, Anthony Vasquez, Adam Kiniston, William O'Carroll, Bo, Jorge Pal, Cannonball Jones, Tomas Sablin, Phil Crone, Throw Seven, Adam Nix, Josh McKinney, Michael Gates, Alex Scott Gates, Ryan Robertson, Sean Chandler, Lockmore, Gio Corsi, Joey Gondoliger, Alex Monez, Gerald Pennington, Justin Payne, Justin Wagaman, Austin Riley, Paul Joyce, Alan Hopkins, Chad Lewis, Enrique Perez, Joshua Smallwood, Shane Rayum, Don Lee, John Cordero, Ashley Carlson, Kyle Martin, Madmock Media, Bull Burkholtz, and Jonathan Rice.